Hi, I'm Martin McDonald. And I'm Sophia Fabili. The Thousand Islands Playhouse may have closed its doors this season, but our podcast lives on. While the artists are waiting in the wings and aren't on our stages, we're connecting with them at home to hear how they're exercising their creativity during the pandemic. Welcome to the Thousand Islands Playhouse podcast, at home edition. Welcome back to the Thousand Islands Playhouse podcast. Uh, Today we have two guests and we are really pumped about it. Let me introduce them. Our first guest is actor Kweku Adupoku. Kweku appeared in Here Are the Fragments at the Theatre Centre last year and took part in the National Arts Centre workshop of Audrey Doyer's Calpurnia this past winter at the Thousand Islands Playhouse. He has a very long list of screen credits, including Frankie Drake Mysteries, May Day, Perfect Citizen, The Beaverton Digital, and the short film it's Nothing, which, which screened at TIFF. Kwaku was slated to make his TIP premiere this season in the first Perfect Wedding, and we are so glad to introduce him over the airwaves. And our second guest is actor and storyteller Emma Jade Sims. She is a graduate of the acting program at the University of Windsor and a grad of the Mechanicals program at Factory Theatre. Emma Jade also took part in the NAC's workshop of Calpurnia at the Playhouse last winter. She has worked with many wonderful people and companies, including Bad Hat's Peter Pan, which played at Soul Pepper and won three Dora Awards, as well as School Girls or the African Mean Girls Play, co-produced by Obsidian and Nightwood, and winner of the Dora Award for Outstanding Production. Please give a very warm welcome to Kwaku and Emma Jade. Woo, hi guys. Hey. Welcome to the Thank podcast. <laughs> for the long-winded us. introductions I know. of your many accomplishments. All the shows, all the Doras, oh my gosh. So in our, uh, in our first segment, we ask our guests to choose a drink of choice, alcoholic or non-alcoholic, that we share while we're chatting so we can feel like we're together even though we're apart. So can you guys please tell us what we're drinking today? Today we are drinking, we're drinking mojitos because uh, I have mint growing in my garden and in a pot in my backyard. So I thought it would be fun to use up the mint and uh, be refreshed because it's hot as hell. Amazing. It's very refreshing. (laughs) I'm totally down with this choice. Mm -hmm. Cheers, you guys. Cheers. Cheers. Um, So where are we talking to you from? Can you set the scene a little bit about where you each are? Uh, yeah, I'm I'm just in Toronto, um, in my apartment. Um, nothing fancy. I don't I don't have posters or anything on the wall like <laughs> MJ does over here. <laughs> um, yeah, I just I just live downtown Toronto. Amazing. And you're sitting on your couch. Yeah, just, just hanging out in your couch. living room. You're not in a closet or anything. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I put on the headset. So yeah. Like, oh, if I use the headset, then maybe I don't have to sit. Yeah, you can't it's see good. him, but he's wearing a Britney Spears headset. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Emma Jade, where are you? <laughs> Living your true pop star fantasy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm in uptown Toronto, so I'm north of the Bloor Line, a lot more north. Um, and I live with my mom, and so we're in our home, and that's why there's like photos of me and mm-hmm. posters and plants. These are my siblings, actually. Yes, beautiful um, jungle. So yeah. Yeah, just trying to stay cool, you know. I didn't want to be in a closet, so I just asked her to kind of stay quiet and not walk around too much for the duration that we're here. Fair, <laughs> for sure, for sure. Fair. Yeah. Um. So now you both did this workshop of Calpurnia, but you are friends. So can you tell us a bit about how you folks know each other, where you met? Tell us the story. <laughs> yeah. So, um, 
we actually we met one time before Calpurnia. I went to um, School Girls or the Ask and Mean Girls play. My friend uh, Rachel Matumbo was in it with Emma Jade. And then after the show, I stayed to talk to Rachel. And I saw Emma Jade across the way. And I just went over and basically did the, like, oh, you know, great show, you're amazing, that kind of thing. But it actually wasn't until we did Calpurnia that we actually, like, really spoke and became friends. Awesome. Yeah. And that was January uh, I, this year. I remembered meeting him, but usually I don't remember meeting people because um, after shows, my adrenaline is still very much in show mode. So a lot of things are happening and everything becomes a blur. But I remember specifically meeting Kwaku. So that's, that was probably a sign <laughs> of our friendship. Nice. You're memorable. Were you wearing your Britney Spears mic? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, didn't, I didn't have it on the table. Keep it at home. That's awesome. <laughs> Well, we so I just want to give a bit for the people listening at home to kind of fill them in on this podcast and, and how we are all talking together and how this all came together today. Essentially, when Marta and I were talking about, you know, usually this the TIP podcast is we're talking about the shows that were, are going up on stage. We don't have any shows going up on stage. So exactly. we were saying, how can we still do this podcast? What can we talk about? And the main thing we kept coming back to is let's talk to artists about how they're using their creative energy during the pandemic because I think it has, even though we have all lost so many gigs and it's been very difficult and financially challenging it also has freed up more time so that's the conversation we wanted to have we reached out to Kwaku you know asking him hey like are you writing are you doing yoga are you you know planting mint in your garden what are you doing and he said actually I'm using all my energy for activism and do you think we could talk about that and Marta and I were like a hundred percent absolutely and I we both just wanted to recognize that um, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement has been around for a long time, but with the death and murder of George Floyd on May 25th, the conversation has escalated to this international level, and I think it's on the forefront of everyone's minds. And so I just wanted to recognize that and say that, um, yeah, that, you know, Kwaku, you're supposed to be here this summer. You were here. You're both here in the winter, and you have this connection to TIP. But we've never actually met in person. So I just wanted to yeah. recognize that it's like a big deal that you trusted us to have this conversation and that you're yeah, here today. You. So thank, thank you, you so, for so much. Us. Yeah, and bringing Emmer Jade on also because Kwaku brought Emmer Jade on. Um, I met Emmer Jade and Kwaku during in January with Kelpernia, but that's really the only way we know each other too. So yeah, um, yeah. yeah so thank and you. I have a selfie of Marta in my phone for when oh she took God. a photo of us. <laughs> classic for me <laughs> that's amazing so with all that said we said okay wh- how what angle do you want to take in this conversation and you folks said let's talk about instagram and using the platform for activism and talking about um yeah racial justice so tell us how have you both been using instagram during this time yeah um i guess i'll start uh so you, you know covid19 came about pretty quickly um, I, don't, I don't think anyone's expecting it to hit the way that it did. And um, initially, I, I was one of the people that, like, jumped into baking really fast, really quickly, really hard. I was like, okay, I'm just going to try and get, like, really, really good at baking. And that was the thing that was consuming most of my time. And, you know, Instagram is my platform of choice, personally, um, because I'm, I'm a very visual person, and I like to have, like, uh, pictures and words. So initially, I was just posting, like, baking content. You know, Emma Jade would comment on things, and she'd be like, oh, my gosh. Like, <laughs> and, um, but, you know, all, all that changed um, initially with the Mod Arbery. Um, yeah. 
when the video finally released of his murder. I believe he got murdered in February and the video didn't come out until uh, March or April. I don't remember when exactly. And that one, that one hit me really hard. Um, in part because the, the circumstances of it were so um, ridiculous as they often are. But the fact that the two men literally they didn't get arrested, nothing happened. There were there were the uh, DA in the area decided that there was no cause to arrest them for taking a mod's life. So that ha- that happened, and um, you know as as well as being in isolation, I, I was pretty like distraught and choked and sad and crying and all these things. And then right after that, we heard about Breonna Taylor. And again, the circumstances were so crazy, you know, and again, nothing was really happening and there still hasn't really been action in Breonna Taylor's case. You know, um, online you see all these like sort of memes and things that are about like arrest the cops who killed Breonna Taylor and there still hasn't been any movement in that direction. So, um, and in the midst of that, um, I posted uh, on my stories, um, stories on Instagram are uh, a feature where you can post something and it only stays active for 24 hours and it disappears later. So that's, that's where I've been doing the, the majority of my posting. I posted something to my stories um, about Ahmaud Arbery, not the actual video itself, um, because I, I, kinda, I have trouble with the videos because you know, we, we wouldn't be here without the videos, but they are quite traumatizing yep. to black people. Um, I tried to watch the video of Ahmad. I couldn't watch it. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's the kind of thing where up until now, like there, there's been videos of all these incidents, but people seeing is believing for a lot of people. So they, they need to see the videos, but I, I just make a conscious choice not to, um, like I might, I might talk about the death, but I won't share the actual video. So I posted something about Ahmad. And then I posted something about Brianna. And it, it was a very conscious shift in the kinds of content that I was posting, especially because right before that, it was all baking content. Um, so I was kind of examining that within myself and um, writing about that a little bit. And, you know, saying basically to my black followers, like, you know, we're in this together. I'm with you. We, we know that this has been happening, you know, like... We know about uh, Philando Castile, Sandra Bland, um, Tamir Rice, all of these people over the years that have been killed in these different ways for simply existing, their names become a part of the fabric of who we are as black people. We know their names and the circumstances of their death. So I wanted to acknowledge that um, for the black people and also say to the white people, like, listen, I, I know that um, and keep in mind, I don't, I don't have a huge following. <laughs> I think I have less than 500 people following. But I, but I was like, listen, I know that this is a, sort of a departure in what I'm talking about, but this is important, and I'm still trying to navigate using my voice in this way because I also just don't really like to talk, <laughs> which makes this interesting. <laughs> I feel that. Um, <laughs> but, I, but I was like, you know, just like ride, ride with me on this. And then right after that is when George Floyd died. And that's the kind of the straw that um, broke the camel's back in terms of like um, the demonstrating, the protesting, all these things. Because there there've been protests in the past, you know. There were protests in Ferguson. Um, there there usually are protests, and um, it's the black community demonstrating. Um, but sort of the difference this time 
And I think it does have a lot to do with the circumstances of COVID and how everyone is in isolation and a lot of people don't have anything else going on, so you can't look away because we're all online, is that this is the time that the entire world was like, okay, something is going on. We see this now. And there, there are definitely still people who, you know, choose to look at it however they want to look at it and might deny things that are going on. But by and large, this time, culture shifted in a way with George Floyd. And, you know, suddenly everybody was sharing, um, amplifying the voices of these scholars and activists who have already been doing this work for years, but now everybody's paying attention to them. You know, I can't even tell you how many new accounts I followed when all of this started happening. Yep, same. And, um, you know, we're, we're sharing reading lists of different um, anti-racist book resources. We're sharing films to watch, like 13, and when they see us, and all these things that are kind of talking about these subjects. Everybody was trying to educate themselves in different, in different ways and really examine their own blind, start to examine their own blind spots in the ways that they've been complicit in the system that has been going on. Um, and that also translated into, um, in Toronto specifically, there's an account called Not Another Black Life. Mm-hmm. Um, and right, right around the time that George Floyd died, um, Regis Korchinski Paquette died in Toronto during a wellness check. And I believe since April, four different people have died during wellness checks. People of color or black people have died during wellness checks with law enforcement in Toronto. Uh, not, no, I shouldn't say it's wrong, in Canada, because um, Chantal Moore was in New Brunswick. Um, and so through Not Another Black Life, that was kind of where um, my own activism um, and the things that I was doing online trans- started to translate into the real world because they organized a protest for specifically for Regis, but also for George Floyd, for um, every, everyone else who had been killed and everything else that was going on and police brutality and systemic anti-blackness and all of these things. And that was the first protest I've ever gone to in my entire life. And, you know, leading up to that, we were seeing um, everything as the protests were starting to happen in the States. You know, that content was being shared on Instagram. So we're seeing videos of peaceful protesters being met with police brutality. And suddenly it's not only black people who are being brutalized, it's everybody, because everybody's showing up at these protests. Um, so leading, leading up to the protests that happened here, you know, um, I was thinking, okay, like, you don't, this could go left. You don't know how this is actually going to go. Um, so you have to prepare for every eventuality. So, you know, I, I was doing research, a friend who does some protesting was sharing, um, these videos of the situation in Hong Kong and like tactics that protesters used there, um, there were resources going around about how to protest safely in terms of like what to do with your phone and like turning location services off and all those kinds of things. Um, and I set up a plan with my brother and sister. My sister lives in Whippy, which is outside Toronto. My brother lives in Toronto. He didn't go to the protest so that if something happened, he would be able to come get me from detention or wherever the case may be. Um, so I had these fail safes um, in place. And luckily at that first protest, you know, nothing happened here. Um, I believe the protesters in Montreal were met with um, some resistance during the first one. Um, but it was a really, it was a really transformative experience in that 
it was the first time I, I had, personally, I had been in the street, like, raising my voice for my rights and the rights of my brothers and sisters and had people beside me who don't look anything like me also echoing that same call. And it was, it was really powerful. Like, I cried multiple times. I laughed. We danced. Like, it was, it was every emotion at once. And, um, you know, we were, we were very lucky that nothing happened. But that was so needed in that moment. I think especially because, you know, we had been experiencing all of this pain and isolation for so long. And there were very there were very real risks in going to the protest because, you know, COVID nineteen didn't just go away. You know, the pandemic was still happening. But it was a calculated risk that I and many others took and took as responsibly as we could. You know, we tried to stay distant where we could, even though it was pretty much impossible. Um I, I waited, I think, five days afterwards and got tested for COVID-19 just to be safe. And um, the organization that kind of planned it, Not Another Black Life, um, they had a legal team in place if for people that if anything had happened, there, were, there was a legal team offering free legal services. They had medical services on site. There were people handing out snacks, handing out water. It was so organized. And, um, you know, there have been some other actions since, and some other groups have sort of popped up and run similar actions. Um, and there's a, an encampment at Nathan Phillips Square right now of um, a group called Afro-Indigenous Rising that um, is there until, you know, kind of the, the goal of um, eliminating police brutality is met. Um, but I think, I think the really amazing thing has just been seeing the way that people have been and not not everyone, because you know there are there are people that I know who have disappointed me personally by either staying silent or um, you know having opposing takes that kind of like the all lives matter thing that yep. don't actually speak to the root of what we're actually saying and the root of the issue and try to divert attention. So there is that as well. But I've been really um, impressed and sort of. Uh, like I've I've been happy and felt supported in the way that everybody's kind of galvanized together for this common cause. And, you know, we're we're all starting to to examine our intersections and our blind spots and the places where we've been willfully ignorant. You know, I didn't um I grew up in Canada, but you know, indigenous issues were something that I didn't pay a lot of attention to before this. And you know, once everybody started just kind of trying to show up for black people in this way, I was like, well, how do we pay that forward as citizens of the world? You know, we have to show up for everybody. And yeah, it's a, it's a real thing that, you know, you only have so much bandwidth and like not everyone can know everything and you can't do everything. And um, I think that that is sort of a continual thing that we're trying to navigate. Um, but like Bill 1 in Alberta, just got passed June 17th. And um, what that essentially does is it makes it illegal for protests at pipelines, railways, construction sites, all of the protesting methods that have been effective for indigenous communities in Canada who are still having their land rights taken away are now illegal, according to that bill. You know, so these, these things are still 
I think some people like to think that like racism, all these things happened a long time ago. Colonialization happened a long time ago. These things are still happening today all around us. And now we're, we're all finally starting to pay attention to that. Totally. I feel like the systemic nature of racism in this country and in the United States is something that a lot of people who haven't experienced it directly are opening their eyes to, especially older generations, I think are... I know with my parents especially, like the conversation about systemic racism is something that we've been having a lot more recently because it's something that they weren't quite grasping. They didn't quite understand how that how that works. They know obviously about like the oppression of people, but to understand how that affects every person's daily life is something that they've been wrapping their heads around. And I've I mean obviously I have I'm constantly learning as well. So totally. Emma yeah. Jade, can we throw it over to you? Yeah, um, I'm like really thankful for the platform of Instagram because you can really mold it and shape it to what you want it to be. And that's been really helpful for me. Um, so my my take on my personal activism has been like a, a very self-care focused because a lot of uh, like what we're doing as black people is like sharing our trauma and being like re-triggered in certain environments and from certain things that like pop up online. So for example, um, one thing that I made sure to like yell on the internet is like, please don't share videos of black people being murdered because it's very triggering and it's sad and it hurts. And black people, because of like, our, our history that lives in our body, we know how the story ends. So we don't need to see it happen ever again. We, we can just hear about the story and we know, we know the details and we know how it happened. So I've just been trying to remind people to, so when, when Ahmad, the story of Ahmad came up, um, I logged off the internet well, I logged off of Instagram, which is my preferred platform, so it was really hard for me. I logged off of Instagram for two weeks because I really needed to take a break because, um, like, the stories are so repetitive at this point because, like, it can be so many different factors, but all they all have the same outcome of somebody was killed and they were Black, and that is the outcome. And that is such a tiring thing to have to repetitive repetitively live through and mourn for people that you don't know but that look like you so um i had to really log off for two weeks and try to breathe and chill and that was like at the beginning of may and then three or four days later then we're learning about george floyd so i logged back on and then we're talking about george floyd and how the police really took advantage and brutalized him in the streets. And the only reason why we are even talking about it is because someone had their cell phone ready and decided to film them. And that is like so upsetting and sad. And it really like, like even talking about it right now is putting a knot in my stomach because I, I could never, I could never just like not believe someone was killed just because I didn't see it in a, in a video that was posted online. So um, yeah, I've been, I've been really like focused on the care of black people in while I'm in isolation and that's been really hard, but luckily because everyone is online and I know that I have a voice, I've been trying to use it to, 
um, share information as I can, but my, my form of activism is uh, making playlists for people. Be like, hey, I know that you really need to dance right now because dancing is in the fiber of our being and once you move your hips, you feel a lot better. So like, what can I do for you? So I make playlists for the black people. I remind them to log off. I tell everyone to hydrate, but mostly it's me reminding myself that I have to be doing these things as well. So it's self-care, but it's also like community care as well, because we like we really need to take care of ourselves because um, this is like the longest amount of time that anyone has ever paid attention to our cause. And we are like we lost esteem because we're very tired and we've been like speaking non we spoke nonstop for about three weeks that's a long time to be like uncovering your trauma and telling people about how you've been wronged in the world because of the color of your skin so those three weeks i i really needed to inform myself but also Remember to shower because COVID is really real and like you forget to really take care of yourself when you're in isolation. So taking a shower, um, drinking a glass of water, making sure to like eat a meal because I, oh, uh, after like May 26th, I, uh, I don't remember May 26th to May 31st because I was not just in a blind rage, but I was just like so hurt and so disappointed after finding out about George Floyd and his image was everywhere and the video was being circulated and people were just posting it like without um, trigger warning. A trigger warning or a content warning is like something that you post before a video to warn people of the content so that they can choose whether they want to engage with it or not. And so all of these videos were popping up without trigger or content warnings. And because like social media has the aspect of autoplay on videos, I was just being like inundated with like traumatic things. And it was so painful. And um, just like my brain was so tired from navigating like the trauma that I was already going through with like hearing about all these deaths and then seeing how they were still happening and still being perpetuated after like we opened for uh, this conversation to happen. Um, uh, so I, I really tried to focus on breathing and showering, eating, um, just logging off, turning the computer off. Yeah, I, I, I didn't sleep um, for, uh, yeah, for about five days until, um, Tanisha Tate is amazing and she's the, uh, artistic director of Cahoots Theater and a multi-hyphenate amazing human being. And with the platform of Cahoots, she um, she really opened space up for Black theater artists to come together in a meeting called Through the Black Door. And that was like on a Sunday. So that was like, we were hearing about George Floyd on Tuesday and then Through the Black Door happened on Sunday. And Sunday was the first time that I was like able to release all of my feelings and I cried really hard in this meeting. It was a Zoom meeting. And that was also the first night that I finally slept because every other day before that, I was sleeping two hours, three hours, four hours. And then I would get up and immediately be on my phone, like sharing information and like pushing education. And as like one human being, that's so tiring and I already have like a bunch of health issues as well. Like I have 
chronic things that I'm dealing with. So just having like the systemic racism be like an overarching thing on top of everything that I'm already dealing with was just, <laughs> I was so depleted. So I, I decided to really take care of myself. And I only because I know that like my mental capacity is limited in a lot of ways. And I'm, I'm okay with admitting that. And I just needed to take care of me because um, like my existence is a protest in itself. And so I really needed to prioritize like, me taking care of me is keeping me alive. Therefore, I am fighting because the whole point of systemic racism is that people want to eradicate one race. And that's not cool. <laughs> Period. Like, yeah, hello? Sure, yeah. um, so I just, I, I really needed to just like be okay. And then from being okay, whatever strength I built, I built into, uh, I, I, I pushed that forward to helping my brothers and sisters be okay. And so from that, we like built strength and we built unity. And then by having numbers in us that we're building with like the little strength that we were able to throw into the pot, we're able to tackle issues all together. And so we can like really like focus in and take care of like one issue at a time because we really like this is a this is a one step at a time kind of thing like it's not going to happen overnight and we know that and it is a long fight but now that people are finally paying attention in the age of information and in the age of instagram and visuals now that people are paying attention we really need to keep the momentum up of really like really like taking apart what we have built as a system and a structure and like knocking it down and then really rebuilding it back and um, making making something that works where everyone benefits and it's not just um, like the hierarchy and patriarchy and the system that was built to fail us have that in place. So I yeah, I just yeah. Yeah. I think I can stop it's, there. Yeah, well, it's it's a burden that you've always carried, and all of a sudden, people are like, "Hey, what's that weight on your back? Can you tell me about it?" And you're like, "Oh, finally, <laughs> thanks." Um, how about yeah. go read a book instead? Yeah. <laughs> also, one thing I wanted to like just reflect off of what both of you said, which I just want to just as as you're th as you're saying this, I'm thinking about it that I feel like millennials are constantly criticized for the amount of time that we spend on our phones. But both of you are talking about the power of Instagram to share information, to share in resources, to share self care, to share advice, to share support, and then ultimately go away from your phone and read the book and go to the protest and go drink some water and go to sleep that there is so much that this is like um the social media is helping us learn and also helping us go out in the world and do it and i just wanted to recognize that both of you in really unique ways uh illustrated that for me mm -hmm. connected experience for sure yeah yeah, yeah for real Amazing. Our, well, our thank you now are like your um lifeline to everything yeah you know, like all information is on the internet. It's just a matter of if you want to seek it out and do the work or not. And yeah, your, your phone is your connection to everything. And then you translate that into what you do in your daily life and trying to live in a more equitable world that works for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you oh, both yeah. for being um, so vulnerable in the way that you speak about, spoke about this because it, it 
is um, amazing to hear you both talk and thank you for sharing and thank you for unloading and 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 helping everyone that's listening to understand um it's a constant process and i hope that people that are listening right now if you're listening take something away from this um, learn from these amazing people and we wanted to yeah, also give you uh, a little chance to shine and for the folks at home to get to know you as people. We're, so we're kind of wrapping up all of our podcasts with this quick fire round of questions. Marta's going to explain it. But this is a way to shine a light on you and get to know you a little bit better before we say goodbye. <laughs> Sound good? Are we ready? I'm here for it. <laughs> so we're doing uh, this or that pandemic edition. So we're going to ask you a series of questions that will break down how you've been spending your quarantine and what kind of habits you've developed during the pandemic. So, are you an early riser or a night owl? Both. <laughs> no sleep? I guess when you're not sleeping. Yeah, that, that tracks. <laughs> I, I'm a night owl for sure. I've been going to bed um, like 5 a.m., 6 a.m., 7 a.m. Uh, so, like, when the birds start talking at 4 a.m., I'm just like, yep, I hear your conversation. That's a <laughs> lot I- of drama, birdies. Let me go to bed. <laughs> uh, sweats or dressed? Sweats. Sweats. Sweats all the way. Yeah. <laughs> They're also the only things that today. fit right now. I think I like I, I moved during this pandemic and I hadn't haven't unpacked most of my clothes. Like I just um, bake all day. Yo, how was how is how is moving? Uh, well, this? I've done it twice now, so it's been fine. Um, it's a weird experience to like. I moved in March. Um, the first time, which was like the scariest time when everyone was like, what is this? Like, uh, can I get it from breathing? Yeah. Like, what's happening? Yeah. So that was a bit scary. But this last time was just the beginning of July. And other than leaving the apartment empty for a couple of days before I moved in, which I luckily had the capacity to do um, because I've been living with my parents. What up, Ember Jade? <laughs> um, I, uh, I uh, was able to do that. What but if I could? Yeah, it's, it's been okay. But, yeah. <laughs> Uh, anyway, um, back to you guys. Nobody cares about me. Um, no. <laughs> bake all day we or takeaway? Say again. Bake all time? day. Bake all day or takeaway. So are you? I know that your answer, Kwaku. Oh uh, well, but see, that's tough because I I I like baking dessert because I like dessert. Yeah. But for like a meal, I'd rather like order out right. than You're like ordering but, dinner and then yeah. making your own dessert. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. What about you, Amber Jade? Uh, pretty much same. I, I, I too have been baking. It's not oh. just Quaker. Well, there you go. Uh, <laughs> so I, uh, I just pulled some, um, banana, very moist banana bread with walnuts and, um, uh, chocolate chips out of my freezer that I baked a while ago. But yeah, like Quaker said, dessert. I mean, as an adult, dessert can be everything I eat in the day, and that's totally fine because I'm allowed to do that. Yeah, However, I think I should throw a vegetable or two in there, and right now yeah, um, just put cooking is dessert. too hot, so takeaway is good. Um, homemade mask or bought one? Homemade. Like mac and cheese? No, mask. Mask. Um, oh, mask. uh... <laughs> Uh, do you want to think it's mac and cheese? Do you homemade uh, mac? Oh, yeah, all of our questions are about food. Thanks. <laughs> I guess, well, I'm, I'm using a bot one now, but I was using a bandana before. Yeah. So I, I guess it's a little both. I don't know. Okay. I so- mean, I have my mom, so uh, mine are homemade because she pulled out the sewing machine really early on and made like five. Brilliant. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> um, okay. Tiger King or The Last Dance? <sighs> I 
neither because I literally haven't watched either of them. But if I had a choice, it would probably be The Last Dance because I'm really intrigued by the 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 phenomenon that is MJ. I, 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 I'd be really interested to like see how they pick that apart. I want to say The Last Dance, but I watched Tiger King a lot quicker. <laughs> yeah. And I think, I think that that says something fundamental about it. It came out first. <laughs> it came out first. That's what I'm telling myself. Yeah. Um, working out or on the couch? Oh. Uh. You work out so that you can enjoy the time on the couch. There you go. That's balanced. Agreed. Agreed. Okay. Nice. Um, read the book or watch the movie? I haven't really been reading uh, in life for a long time, except for like a play. Yeah. So watch the movie for sure <laughs> for me. Fair. I'll say watch the movie because by virtue of the fact that I do watch a lot more movies than I read books. But books are important too. They are. Good answer. Good answer. Um, and what's been your quarantine jam? Any any music to share for the people at home? Oh, you're the She's really excited by that question. Go on. Okay. Try to pick Let's one. talk about our two queens, Chloe and Holly, who dropped the most amazing album called Ungodly Hour. And there are no skips on this whole album. One favorite is do it and (laughs) you need to listen to the whole thing because the intro (laughs) is like 30 seconds and already in 30 seconds i'm just like okay i'm not ready for the rest of this wow okay here we go (laughs) um do it is really great and then another track that i really like on the album is tipsy cool amazing good recommendation um there's a toronto rapper named ct the second who um, he dropped an album, I think, last month, and he might have another project coming out. It's called Done, D-U-N. Um, so I've been listening to that. And then I've been listening to a lot of um, Kei Chinata, who's like a DJ and producer from Montreal. Um, I love Keitra so much. Yeah. Oh, he's so, he's so good. So good. Mark, yeah, any, is... any tracks by Kei Chinata. Really. We're going to listen to yeah. all these on the way home. Yeah, we have a we're drive gonna... on the way back to Kingston. We're going to pull yeah. these. This is what on. we're listening to today. Thank you so much. Um, and one more question. Yeah. Um, what would be your ultimate quarantine location? Like, if you got to pick where you had to do that quarantine in, in whatever it was, April, Ooh. May. On a beach I in thought... Jamaica. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Because I, I went to Jamaica in, um, at the end of January. Literally... I came back from Gananoque. I had a day where I had to finish packing and get all of my hair and nails and everything done. And then the next day I was on the plane to Jamaica. It was really crazy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I would, have, I would have stayed if I had known. Seriously. Kind of along those lines, I saw some people who, um, got, who were on vacations and got stuck in these like tropical locations. And I'm like, you know, that doesn't look that bad. <laughs> But I, I think I think really as long as you could be close to like people that you care about, especially in the beginning when we didn't know how long it was going to go or what it was what it would look like, just being close to family and friends and stuff. Like totally. That. I was lucky because I had my mom on vacation, so we really could have just, just stayed. Yeah, you could have stayed. Had both loved ones and a beach. That's back in amazing. time. 
<laughs> Listen, you both okay. are exceptional, and I feel like I got to know you a little bit. And thank you so much for just speaking from your heart and and taking this time with us. This has been just a really amazing day, and I'm so appreciative. So yeah, special thanks to both of you. I also want to shout out Mark Hunt, who is our head carpenter, who composed the music for this podcast for us. And Marta, hey. uh, yeah, this podcast is produced by My FM Gananoque. Thanks to Terry Lynn for all her help. Um, we're, we're recording today on the traditional land of the Huron-Wendat and Haudenosaunee peoples. And go follow the Thousand Islands Playhouse at thousandislandsplayhouse.com. Thank you, guys. Bye. Thank, Thank you so you. much.